0: So um, so I hope that you've got your ears on this morning. I hope that your heart is open. I hope that um, what Ellen did and what Martin and the team have done is just helped you prepare your heart for what I'm going to try and download in just a few minutes. Um, because I, I don't know if you're like me, but I, I like the old-fashioned Bible, but I use the new technology all the time. All the time, and uh, I was saying, as part of our conversation on this table, um, it was just me and Caitlin and the children, but I said, uh, last night I couldn't sleep, and quite often I can't sleep in the middle of the night, so I put on the world radio, and I just listen quietly to the world radio, and listen to all sorts of interesting programs, but last night I couldn't be bothered to do that, I didn't want to do that, I wanted to do something different, and so I put my Bible on, talk, and I listened to nearly all the New Testament (laughs) Just laying in bed. And, and I must have kind of dozed off and kind of woke up and dozed off. Because one minute I was in uh, Corinthians, and then I was suddenly in in uh, Philippians, and then I was in uh, 1 John, and then I was in Revelation, and I was captivated as I went through Revelation. So it was a really interesting journey for me last night. But the Word of God was washing me. And Caitlin said, oh, it's a nice way to get your brain washed. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, that's true. And so, but there's something about the written page. And this, uh, this Bible, I've had this Bible 30 years. And, and it's full of notes because I write in it and I highlight it. And a little while ago, I went over, I was just looking through um, Corinthians. And, um, and I came across some notes where I'd highlighted some words and I'm going to share them with you, uh, because it covers uh, a few chapters, but I just want to take this, these, couple of, these few words from different points in a couple of chapters. It's uh, 1 Corinthians 5 is where I'm going to start, and we'll go through to um, 6, uh, we'll go through to chapter 8. Um, but I want to refresh your mind with what you know. I want to challenge you about what you know. Paul is doing this, he's writing to the Corinthian church and he's saying, listen, I want you to remember what you know. I want you to know deep in your, what you know in your knower. I want you to be aware of it because it will guide you and help you and help you not go off track because the Corinthian church was in, uh, um, it was set in a really challenging community and we live in a very challenging world where where there's an awful lot of pressure coming on people from all sorts of different circumstances, all sorts of different ways through the internet, through social media, through uh, the way society is being structured, and the things that are happening are causing pressure. And so I just want to remind you of what you know and help you handle what goes on around you because of what you know. Okay? So I'm going to start... By not speaking out of Corinthians, but I'm going to come to you out of 1 John. Okay, 1 John. I'm going to t- I want to talk to you out of 1 John um, 2, verse 20. No, the book, the, the letter 1 John, is 2,141 words. 2,141 words in this little letter. And um, it's quite interesting to me. I, I'm a bit of a nerd. Um, and I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking, why do I like words so much? And when I was at boarding school, I was talking to James about it at the weekend. And I suddenly realized, I heard myself say something. And I thought, ah, maybe that's why I like words. See, at boarding school, at nine years old, when you were caught running... Uh, in part of the school grounds that you weren't allowed to run in, or when you were doing something that you weren't meant to be doing, the prefects would punish you with words. And what words meant was you were told, I want, by tomorrow morning, I want uh, 20 words from tea, Chapman. 20 words from tea, by tomorrow at breakfast. (laughs) Blame it on board in school. And what, what that meant was I would have to go to the library, get out the shorter English Oxford Dictionary that was nothing short about it. It was, a, it was a massive volume and you had to go to the letter that they gave you, whatever letter it might have been. And they knew, the prefects knew the worst letters to give you, and the easy letters to give you. And so the punishment was graded by, on the, by the severity of your action or the niceness of the prefect because there were some nice and some... Uh, any of you know, if I said Flashman, you would know what I'm talking about. Flashman was like... He was... Yeah, anyway, anyway. So you had to then copy out the, the word and every meaning of the word so if you got 20 words you have to do the word and then the meaning of that word for for the first 20 words in the thing so you you thinking oh i could use that as a punishment <laughs> <laughs> so i like words so so the book of what the letter 1 john has 2141 words in in it and Eight times, the word fellowship appears. Eight times. So, if you know anything about reading the Bible, if things are repeated, then they they have weight. So, eight times the word fellowship appears out of those 2,141 words. There are 22 times the word no is used. Not, no, you can't, but you know, you know. 22 times. But 40 times... The word "love" is used, so you see, this fellowship is important. What you know is important, but the love is really important. So there's this incremental scale of importance. So I just find that intriguing and interesting. And so I've, I know that, and it's written in the back of my paper bare, uh, Bible here, and I've highlighted every word. I've circled every "no," every fellowship. And so my Bible looks a little bit messy. But listen to this. Uh, I want to pick up verse 20 of chapter 2, but I'm going to start in verse 18. Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. An Antichrist is just somebody that denies Christ. All right? It's not the devil. It's just somebody that says, Jesus is rubbish. Ignore him. It's an irrelevance. You're, crack- you're crackers. You're crazy. You're Okay, so they are hell-bent on disproving who Christ is. There are already many such antichrists that have appeared. From this, we know that the end of the world has come. These people left our churches because they never really belonged with us. Let me just say... It's not leaving Myrtle House and joining Tiguin. It's not leaving Tiguin and joining Antioch. Oh, if they've left Myrtle House and they've gone to Tiguin, they can't be Christians. It's not about that. It's about, he's saying, these people have left Christianity and they're going to the synagogue. They're following some other form of religion rather than Christ. That's what he's saying. So it's not about denominations. It's about the faith. But, verse 20, but you are not like that, for the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and all of you know the truth. So I am writing to you, not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and falsehood. So John, in my head I call him Papa Pastor John. Because he's got this pastoral heart, and he speaks like a dad, uh, and because he loves people. And he's saying, listen, you know the truth, and you know the truth because the Holy Spirit came upon you. You've not just decided to follow Christ. You've decided to follow Christ, but Holy Spirit dwells within you, and so you know in your knower the truth. Okay? And so we know, because Jesus says, I'm um, the way, the truth, and the life. We also know that it's the truth that sets us free. That's what the Bible says. So when we come back to Corinthians, we've got this knowledge of truth. Holy Spirit is in us, so we know the truth. So Paul now is right into the Corinthian church, and he says this, Don't you realize? Don't you know? Don't you realize? Don't you know? Don't you? Come on. You, you Surely you realize. Okay, so this is uh, chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians, and this is verse 6. Don't you realize, he says, let me just read a little bit of it to you. How terrible that you should boast about your spirituality, and yet you let this sort of thing go on. He's talking about immorality. Don't you realize that if, even if one person is allowed to go go on sinning, soon all will be affected. Remove this wicked person from among you so that you can stay pure. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. If you, you need to read it all for yourself. Uh, I would counsel you to read the scriptures that I'm going to mention because I'm just going to touch on them. And you need to take what I say and put it in context with scripture so that you get a better understanding of what I'm trying to communicate. But he says, don't you realize, and when he says realize, the word realize in the dictionary just says, understand clearly, become fully aware of something as a fact. So he's saying, listen, if you associate with people that are immoral, inappropriate in all sorts of ways, and he lists the ways, it's going to affect you. So deal with it, deal with it, don't embrace it, don't tolerate it, deal with it. But he clarifies, he says, listen, I'm not saying it's the immorality in the world that you've got to stay clear of, you've got to deal with the immorality in the church. You've got to deal with people who say they're a Christian and they come along here, but actually they're really obnoxious and abusive to their wife. Or their husband. Or their children. That's just one of the things that is mentioned. Or they're greedy. Or they're sexually immoral. You need to be dealing with it. You need to be actually saying, this is not okay. And it's not, I don't want to kick you out, but listen, I want to talk to you about what's going on and why why is it going on for you. So, We have a responsibility to care. We have, on a personal level, we have to care about ourselves. but we also have to care about the people around us. We need to be people who say, how are you doing? Are you okay? And be brave enough to say, yeah, I'm okay. Actually, no, I'm not. I'm struggling a little bit. Can I have a cup of coffee? And would you mind just helping me? But we have a responsibility, don't you know? Do you realise that we have a responsibility? Did you realise that we have a responsibility? Yeah, some are nodding. It's uh, maybe I'll, I'll take you off the hook and say it's a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer me, but you need to answer yourself on a personal level. You know, Jesus said to the woman who was caught in adultery, "Go and sin no more." So when it came to the surface, the situation came to the surface, his judgment on her wasn't condemning. It was life-saving and building. And if we have the safety of friendship where we say, how are you doing? How's your week been? How are you and God doing? No, really, how are you and God doing? What's he saying to you? What is he challenging you with? What's Holy Spirit doing in your life? And we have that kind of friendship where we care enough to care, it builds a security and a strength into the life of church. Second one, don't you know, this is chapter 6, verse 2, don't you know that someday we Christians are going to judge the world? Don't you know? Don't you know that there's a level of responsibility coming your way as a follower of Christ, where one day you're going to judge the world, you're going to be part of, don't you know? And Paul is saying, listen, There's a level of responsibility that is yours already, but it's going to be manifested sooner rather than later. Don't you know that you've got this responsibility? Don't you know? So in light of having that responsibility, you should be responsible for sorting things out here and now. Don't just let things go. If you have an issue, deal with the issue with somebody. If somebody's crossed you up and somebody's upset you, Go and talk to them. You have a responsibility, don't you know? To deal with it or to be somebody that somebody else can come to and say, Bill, can you help me? Or Dave, can you help me? Or Linda, can you help me? Because I've got a problem here. Would you bring some wise counsel and help me? Because we have a responsibility to care. Third one chapter 6 verse 3 second next verse says don't you realize that we christians will judge angels we have a responsibility in an earthly level we also have a responsibility at a spiritual level don't you realize that there is a spiritual thing happening when when things break out there's a spiritual dimension that's kicking off to bring disunity to bring destruction don't you realize that you need to have worldly eyes and you need to have heavenly eyes. You need to be spiritual as as well as worldly. Don't be so... You need to be worldly. I don't know whether you hear that in church very often because the church says, oh, don't be worldly. No, I want to say you need to be a person with their feet on the ground, understanding the signs of the times, understanding what is going on, understanding being somebody that pays attention to the culture, To what's happening, the way that um, men are being emasculated, in my opinion. That women are being. Anyway, you just need to be aware. You need to be aware. You need to be wise. You you need to be aware. Don't you know that you have a responsibility at a spiritual level? Paul is saying, listen, you're going to judge angels one day. You've got to be spiritual. Got to be spiritual. Don't you know? Fourth one, don't you know? Don't you know, verse 9 of chapter 6, don't you know that wrongdoers, there's a list of wrongdoers, don't you know that they'll have no part of the kingdom? Don't you know? That isn't to say, don't be a wrongdoer. It's to say, lift your eyes, understand that wrongdoers won't have any part of the kingdom. Therefore, we have a responsibility to help people not to do wrong. To help them and say, listen, there's a better way of going than that. Don't choose that way of treating your kids. Don't choose that way of behaving towards your wife. Pack it in. Pack it in. Listen, let me show you a better way. Kindness. Generosity. Love. There's a different way. Don't you realize? Don't you know? Don't you know? And then The fifth one is, don't you realize that your body is part of Christ? Don't you know? Don't you know that, listen, Christ is in you? You're in Him? Christ is in you. That you influence an atmosphere, you create an atmosphere with the presence of God in you when you go into a place, or you create an atmosphere with your bad attitude and your worldliness. But you create an atmosphere. Don't you know that Christ is in you, that you're part of him? Be encouraged. Sixth one is, don't you know, this is verse uh, chapter 6, verse 19, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Don't you know? Oh, come on, don't you know, Paul is saying, don't you know? You do know, you do know because the Spirit is in you, but you clearly need reminding, and I want to say to us and to me, Holy Spirit is here, here, here. We pray, come Holy Spirit, expecting some kind of manifestation of his presence in a room where we just go, wow, like a little cloud in a corner. Actually, he's here already. He's in you. You're in him. It changes the way you treat yourself and you treat him. Him. You see, if you realize that Christ is in you and your part, your body, you're in Christ, then you need to treat yourself differently. You need to be kinder to yourself, nicer to yourself. Christ is in you. Don't beat yourself up. Don't put yourself down. Don't speak negatively over yourself. Speak life over you. I like words, as you know, as I've already said. And I... I think I drive some people very close to me nuts <laughs> because they'll say, uh, We better do that in case. We better do that because. And I said, Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not doing anything based on fear. And they say to me, What are you talking about? I said, Well, if I do something so that something else doesn't happen, I'm doing it because I want to avoid that which is a fear-based decision. I want to do what I do because it's the right thing to do, not to avoid some negative consequence in my life. I want to choose to do what is right because it's the right thing to do. And it gets... (laughs) another. No, you're... (laughs) But, But we need to speak life over ourselves. Holy Spirit is here. I'm in Christ, Christ's in me, but Holy Spirit's here and he will nudge me and guide me and lead me and correct me and rebuke me. Oh, okay. Well, Ellen says yes. (laughs) Don't you know Holy Spirit's in you? Chapter 8, verse 13 says, Don't you know, and this is a tough one. Let me just, it's only tough because of sometimes how I think. How do you communicate this kind of thing? It says this. Don't you know, Paul says, don't you know that those who work in the temple get their meals from the food brought to the temple as, an, as offerings? And those who serve at the altar should get a share of the sacrificial offerings. In the same way, the Lord gave orders that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who, Who benefit from it? This is really a hard one to talk about because what he's saying is you should look after me financially. Ooh, that makes me feel really uncomfortable. But then I read a little bit further, and Paul says, "But listen, I'm not like that. I don't do this as a job. He says I do this as a calling." I don't do it for a wage. I do it as a, for a calling. And I think, oh, I'm comfortable now. I can talk about it. Because I don't do what I do for a wage. I do it as a calling. But I want to challenge us to understand that Paul is saying to the church, us, that we have a responsibility to those who give leadership to care for them. To care for them. Now... Privately, I'll talk to you more about my thoughts about that, but I was sharing with Dan, just blue sky thinking, what would it look like? What could that look like? How would that transform leadership? How would it transform a church community when those who were given the opportunity to give leadership had their, the financial pressure removed from them so that they could be completely free to be all that God wanted them to be? And they didn't have to have the pressure of things going on in their I'm struggling to say this. What if a church what if a church said now understand I'm siding with Paul? I don't do this for money. Okay, so I'm okay. I'm 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 on the side, but I'm gonna project into a scenario. What if a church said to pastor we're going to pay your mortgage it's your house we don't have any ownership but we're going to make sure that your mortgage is covered so you have no pressure it's not coming out of your salary it's not part of your salary it's our responsibility to care for you so we're going to pay your mortgage oh and by the way we also pastor leader want you to have a proper holiday and so we're going to not just give you time off because you get allocated days off a year, but we're gonna, we want to cover a three-week holiday for you and your family, wherever you want to go, with this budget. And I, I was saying this to Dan, and I've said it to Martin, and I think, what kind of church leadership would you get when the leaders felt loved and secure? It's not so that the church are controlling But the church are releasing. And I think Paul is trying to say to the church, listen, you have a duty of care to those who care for you. Are you clear that this is not me trying to feather my nest? But I do think it's a really good idea. (laughs) (laughs) But it means that we, don't you know that you have a duty of care to those who care? You have a duty of care. Don't you realize? Don't you know that your generous offering supports those who serve? Don't you know? Paul is saying, don't you know? Don't you realize that you have a significant role to play in the kingdom of God advancing through the gospel? Don't you know? It matters that you care. And then the eighth one. The eighth one is brilliant in my thinking it says this it this is verse 24 of chapter 9 the word is remember it's not don't you know but it's the same meaning because when he says don't you know he's like saying come on i know you know this you know this don't you know Don't you you know this? you know this? And when he says remember, it's the same. He's saying, listen, stir your memory. Understand that you know this. Remember. Remember that in a race, everyone runs. In a race, everyone runs. And I want to say it to you. Everyone needs to be running. Everyone needs to be running. And then he goes on a little bit further down in that verse, and he just says... With purpose. With purpose in every step. So when you run, don't just run like a headless chicken, round in circles. Well, I'm busy. I'm really busy. I'm, on the, I'm, I'm going. I'm... No, no, pause. Pause, because maybe your running might be a short sprint, or it might be a long marathon. Both of those styles of running are different. They have a different uh, gait, There's a different pace, there's a different energy level, there's a different mindset. But they're running. And we all need to be running if the kingdom of God is going to advance. And what I'm not saying is get involved in the food bank, get involved in the parent and toddlers, get involved in this, get involved in that, get involved in the other. I'm not saying that. I'm saying run. 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 Run your race. Run. Don't walk. Run. Run. I want to shout. I'm not going to. Run. 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 Come on. Run. Run. I'm trying to look in all your eyes. Run. 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 Run 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 please run please run this world needs you to run to run after him to run for him to run with the gospel to be somebody sheree thank you so much for sharing your story Thank you, Ellen, so much for pushing like you pushed because I would have never have heard that and been so encouraged by that with what I'm trying to share today because I, I wanted to go and pray with Sheree and I don't mean to embarrass you, so forgive me, please. But what she shared is somebody that runs, somebody that knows. They know. She knows. that. You see... Before I say any more I'm gonna Okay. I'm just talking to him. I'm asking. Do I share this story? Um I I had an experience, some of you know this. You've heard me say this before, but some of you may not have heard it. But I feel as though I want to just drive the nail of run a little bit harder. I want to drive it a little bit out of sight, in a way. Um, so I'm going to pound it a little bit more with, some, with a story. Uh, can I share something? Yeah? Can I can just, just talk, talk with you? you? Talk with me? Not
1: with you, no. no. I just wanted to encourage you for time to think, right? Only because... Yes um I think what Bill's tried to bring us he's tried to bring us to a place of understanding who we are and our role in the kingdom of God and I think um it's not an easy word that Bill has brought because it is challenging if we're serious about this race that we're a part of if we realize and understand that we are part of the kingdom of god then i think every one of us in this room needs to take stock of where we stand with in response to all the don't you knows don't you know don't you know don't you know yeah, yeah. okay and um and in 1 john 2:20 bill says sorry not bill says john says <laughs> um But you are not like that, for the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then when he started back in here in Corinthians, where was it? Yeah, verse 20. No, that is, sorry, that is, no, 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 it's okay. But you are not like that, for the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Hang on. And all of you know the truth. All of you know the truth. And it's the truth that sets us free. And it's the truth that sets us free that enables us to respond and do the things that we're meant to do when we're full of the Spirit, which is help one another grow, which is judging situations in a right way and helping that situation and bringing the kingdom of God right into the center of it. Because I'm responsible for loving you. And unfortunately... You are responsible for loving me. Mm -hmm. And I'm responsible to care for you. And you're responsible to care for me.
0: Mm. No.
1: We had a conversation coming in this morning. Because the way we've ministered to people is to love them so much and care so much for them that we want the best for them. Hence the reason we have come into several of your situations at times and said, what are you doing? Why? What for? Don't you know? Don't you know if? Don't you know there's a better way? Don't you know? But that's not our role. That's our role to encourage us as, ch- as the church, the family of God, one expression of the church intellectually. Don't you know there is so much more for you and for me? Don't you know? Don't you know? Bill's run, all right? Run, it, run, 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 run. I sit there and I know what I'm doing. And I don't know if you know what you're doing, all right? Because I'm running my race. I'm not running your race. I'm running my race. Okay. And the call of God and the call of God upon my life and your life is to run your race. And I want to get to the finish line. I can't run yours and I can't do it for you. But part of my responsibility is to encourage you. Don't you know that? One of my roles is to care for you. Don't you know that? One of my roles is to say, hey, up, you're doing the wrong thing. Shall we talk? Can I help you? Do you know what you're doing? You need to come in line. Come back in line. True north. You know the truth. What's the truth? Okay? So this is a two-way thing because we're a family. Okay? I brought up my children with Bill to do the best possible thing they could ever do that their life would be as successful as it could be and that they individually would run their race. Now, what happens is those kids now say to me and Bill, look after yourself. Stop it. What are you doing? Why are you doing that? We have a responsibility, church, today like no other. You see things in Asprey in the college And the way people are falling to their knees, worshipping the king. The call of God is for us to worship the king, bow the knee, and go and run your race. Because I know I rub shoulders with Shira, with John, with Dave, with Denise, for a reason. We don't live in each other's pockets. But they're part of me and I'm part of them because we're part of the kingdom. We're part of this family. And they matter to me. And I hope I matter to you. Run, church, run. Take stock of where you are at in the kingdom of God. Take stock. Think about it. Because the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. So what are you expecting How do you look? How do you see? What are you doing? Do you care about the right thing? Do you care?
0: This is the cutting edge working. It is. Can share?
2: Sorry. Um, I had a picture. (laughs) And um, I know it's from God because my heart's pounding. (laughs) But um, when Ellen and Bill were speaking then, I had a picture of a race and um like there was a few people in the race and everyone uh, like someone said on your marks get set, go and they all started running and one person was left behind because they had rope around their waist and it was being held by the enemy and god had placed scissors on a table next to this person for a reason for them to cut the rope from the enemy behind them and to just let them and release them and let them run and I feel this is a picture for someone here and God's telling you I'm giving you the, um, the object to, to cut you yeah the tool to cut and release from the enemy and let you run and yeah so that's for someone here to be encouraged by. that's
0: really thank you for that that's really good I'm a little bit nerdy I watch people sharpening chisels on YouTube, and mm. people sharpening knives on YouTube, because I like that kind of thing. Because I was a boat builder, and and I watched a guy um, talking about sharpening knives and showing you how to sharpen a knife. And he he had a a, a knife that was um, a, a hunting knife, an outdoor knife. And he said, try and cut that rope with this dull knife. And he couldn't cut the rope at all with the dull knife. So he sharpened the knife and said, now cut the rope with the sharp knife. And it just sliced through the rope. And I want to add that to the picture that you need sharp. You need a sharp tool. It's no good just having kind of children's scissors to cut a rope. You need sharp scissors you need a sharp tool and what what i'm trying to do here this morning is sharpen you so that you can run so that you can be all that god has called you to be not all that i want or think you should be but what god says about you when i paused just now i was asking god do i share the a very personal experience uh, that I've shared here before but it was uh, many years ago it was a long time ago now but it lives with me and I was in a leaders meeting uh, with a few leaders of different churches and they said come on let's pray and I was in my miseries I know you never go there uh, but if you go into your miseries quite often you can find Bill there with his miserable head on struggling and, um, and I didn't want to pray And these guys all got up and started praying like prayer warriors. And I was, they were all senior leaders and I was just a youth leader and a youth pastor and felt like rubbish. And I just was in my miseries and I sat in stubborn rebellion with regard to them saying, come on, let's pray. And then I had this thought, God, you're amazing. amazing things around the globe people are being saved and healed and delivered and god i want to be part of your kingdom like that and suddenly i had this urge to pray and i went to stand up as i stood i you have to just take my word i have got to just have the freedom to share it cuz without trying to qualify it but i stood up and i stepped into somebody else's body in the room and i felt like david banner The Credible Hulk. I felt like David Banner transforming into the Hulk. And I felt this incredible energy and power. And I felt as though I was going to burst out of my shirt. Uh, Not my belly. (laughs) But I just felt as though I was going to burst out of my shirt. I just felt this incredible power and uh, rage. Because what I... Saw so, as, st- as I stood up in the room, I got my eyes shut, but I, you need to picture me. I'm just stood with my eyes shut, and everything that I tell you happened happened in the room. Me on a spot, okay? So I stand, but I'm now looking across a battlefield with thousands of enemy warriors coming at me. And this rage in me causes me to roar, but not like a lion, you know, but like a warrior. And I just roar with rage at this enemy. How dare they? And I roar, and and my roar builds and builds and builds, and I'm roaring in the room. And then suddenly I'm running. And I'm running at the enemy because how dare you come against me because I'm the Lord's anointed and I'm running at you. And so I'm now running and roaring, but in the room I'm just stood, but roaring. And I'm running across this battlefield. And the more I roar, the more the enemies stop. Panic begins to grip them and they begin to run in terror away from me. And they're throwing away their weapons and their shields and their the helmets and just to run faster without the clutter that they had and i'm running literally running, and you know sometimes you see a film, and uh the scenario in the film means that suddenly the camera is the eyes of the person that's maybe running in a situation you you know those kind of and so the camera's bobbling like you're like you're running. And so I'm, I'm not running in the room, but I'm running, and and everything is as as if I'm running, and I'm running across this battlefield, and it's me roaring against these this enemy. And then in my peripheral vision, I become aware of thousands of warriors running with me. They're running beside me. They're running here, but they're slightly behind me. But they're here. And so my roar changes from just a kind of, ah, I'm going to kind of hurt you, roar, to come on, run, 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 and I'm roaring, run, with all my strength. And, and I'm running and running and running, and these warriors are running, and the more we run, the more we roar, the more we run, the more we roar, the more the enemy runs in panic away. And... Um, and then I run out of energy and I am exhausted and I'm still trying to run, but I've got nothing left. It's all gone. There's nothing left of me and I, I'm, I'm devastated. Uh, but the warriors around me keep running. And so my roar just doesn't miss a beat, but it changes from come on to go on. So I'm in the room yelling my head off. Run, go on, run, 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 go on, go on, go on, run, run, run. And then I hear, I hear this voice says, Fill him with power, Lord. Fill him. And it's like I get plugged in and I begin to run again because suddenly my energy is just resurging. And I run and run and run, but i 'm roaring all the time, Come on, run, come on, come on, come on, come on, go on, go on, go on, come on, come on, come on, And uh, I run through the ranks of these uh, of this army, my army that i 'm part of, and we crest a hill, and on the top of the hill, we can see a valley, and the enemy are gone, and I fall on my knees in the room and begin to worship my king, because I see over. I see above the hilltop in the sky like a giant banner with the word love written on it. And I come out of the experience. And I'm in the room with these church leaders that are going mental. Absolutely mental. Worshipping, praying, crying, howling. And I... Hear, Holy Spirit, saying, "Now prophesy." And you remember, I felt like a Oi, Not a man nor a boy, but a Oi. I felt like kind of nothing. And then God says, "Now prophesy." And I want to say to you, when you run, when you run, God will give you moments where your words will bring life, and direction, and encouragement to others. But you have to run. You have to run. You have to run. I wrote down these eight lines. You have to love self-improvement. You can't be happy with where you are. You have to love your own personal improvement. You have to love the environment. You have to love what we've been given responsibility to steward. You have to love. You have to steward yourself and you have to steward your environment. Steward your health, but also your community. You have a responsibility to love your environment. You have to love the spirit realm. Yes. I know people who, oh, Holy Spirit, ooh, don't talk to me about Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, but you're a Christian. Yeah, I know I'm a Christian. Yeah, but don't talk to me about... no. You need to love the spirit realm. Understand that you have an authority in the spirit realm. When you get out of bed, demons quake. Because Vicky's got out of bed. Look out! Vicky's about! No, you need to understand this is true. The enemy is more afraid of you than you are of him. You have to love the spirit realm. You have to love the Holy Spirit. You have to love that He might want to speak to you in a way that you can really hear and then really speak and really live. You have to love the spirit realm. You have to love others. I'm a great one to talk. I love my own company. And I'm quite happy on my own. But I have to learn to love others. And I do. I do. I love some of you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love all of you. I love being here. I love being part of a community. I love people. We, I think I drive Ellen nuts because I say, can we do such and such? Can we do this? Can we do that? Because we can have people here. We can have people there. But she's, I'm peopled out, Bill. I'm peopled out. Oh, yeah, but well, but we could do that because I like people. Ellen does too, but she's wiser than me. You have to love others, but you also have to love Christ. You have to love Christ. And when you love Christ and you begin to love Christ like you really should love Christ. You'll see Christ in others. And it'll be the fuel you need to love others. You need to love Christ. You need to love Holy Spirit. You need to love Holy Spirit. You need to love Him. You need to love His guidance, His correction, His challenge, His voice. You need to love Holy Spirit. You need to love discipleship, and you need to love discipling. You need to want to truly love to have people around you that you've selected who know more than you, who you've asked to pour into you. You need to, because that's what a disciple is. A disciple is somebody who wants to follow. I've been asked to mentor church leaders uh, across our nation and um, some of them beat a path to my door. Others, I have to chase them. Well, I don't chase them for very long because I want to run with those who want to run. I don't want to drag people when I'm trying to run. You have a responsibility to love being discipled. You have a responsibility to to love being a discipler. Look for somebody who needs your friendship and pour into them. Love them. Love them. Teach them what you know and run with them. And you have to understand that if you do all of these, you'll be fueling your love for the kingdom of God. Because it's the kingdom that we're about. And if you love the kingdom of God, you know what will happen? People will get saved. People will get saved. People will get healed. People will get delivered because you love the kingdom. If you're just about getting people saved, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. It's about people coming into the kingdom of God now you can't enter the kingdom of God without being saved because the way that you get into the kingdom of God is that you know what Jesus did on the cross and why he did it and that it's personal for you and that you want to sin no more and that your sin has been dealt with the consequences of your sin have been dealt with and the challenge is for you to stop sinning but if you're being discipled then you'll get the help that you need to stop sinning because your friend will say Bill Are you still doing that? Are you still picking your nose in public, Bill? (laughs) Pack it in. Now, just to let you know, I did make that up. That's not... (laughs) 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 And so here's my last two words. So here's my last two words. I'm quickly quickly moving to the very, very end, and then we're going to break bread together. You see, love wins. so run, run with love, run like the wind, the wind of the spirit, run, 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 deal with what needs to be dealt with, confront what needs confronting, handle what needs to be handled, understand what your role is, know what you need to know and know how to apply that to your life and then be really kind and help others. Because love wins. Love wins. So Father, I pray, as we come together to break bread, I pray that we would just remember that love wins. That your love that took you to that cross was for us. That your love for us will enable us to be all that we should be for your glory in Jesus name in Jesus name
1: in Jesus name Amen